BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore. From magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about voting by mail. It's pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit votemailchicago.com. That's votemailchicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. For those who are joining us uh, for the first time this week, uh, I'm quarantined in my apartment and Ben is in the attic. By the way, Ben, can we get a quick porta potty check? Uh, yeah, there were two people in the porta potty, not at the same time. All right, one went in, he left, another one in. So things are really happening in that porta potty today. All right, your porta potty check happening on the Ben Jarofsky show every <laughs> 10 minutes. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, July 22nd is moments away. But let's thank these unions. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That's correct. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Of labor. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% <laughs> full of shit. The Ben Jarowski <laughs> Show starts right now. 
It is Wednesday, July 22nd. And live from Ben's attic in my apartment, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of legendary Chicago journalist, the mighty Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Law and Order Wednesday, and here's why. Horrific scene on the south side of Chicago yesterday. 14 people shot outside a funeral parlor on West 79th Street. Mercifully, none of them were killed. Uh, the funeral was for uh, Donnie Weathersby, who was shot and killed uh, last week. Uh, no motive mentioned by the police last I saw, though I can't imagine a motive in the world that would make such a shooting, what, justifiable or understandable or acceptable. Funeral shootings are not that rare in the city of Chicago, according to the newspapers I read. It's old grudges being played out. See it all the time. We have, Chicago, what I might call a retaliation problem in this city. You can't just walk away from an insult or a slight, a perceived insult or slight. No, you got to step up. See the evidence all the time, everywhere, not just on the south and west sides of Chicago, but everywhere in this city. Mayor tell Alderman he's full of shit. Alderman tells Mayor, go fuck yourself, Mayor. Judge throws a punch at a protester at a Columbus statue. Remember that one, D? Talked about that one for a while. He felt the protester had insulted him. And the judge, by the way, was a specialist in mediation therapy. Hey, want to mediate something? Mediate this. I'm insulting. I'm going to throw a punch. What elevates what happened yesterday in the South Side to grave danger is guns, guns, guns. What we need is what we've always needed in this city. Peaceful intervention, counseling, jobs, learn to work things out, learn to walk away from perceived slights. The recipe for what we need hasn't changed in all the years that I've lived in this town, but we never seem to get it. Just more of the same. Now here comes Donald Trump. He's going to send in the federal troops, 150 or so. Everybody knows this is a political stunt. Well, maybe not everybody. I just read an editorial in the Chicago Tribune. I don't know why I read editorials in the Chicago Tribune, D. I don't know why I read them. I don't know either, but it makes great content for the show, so keep it up. I read these. Well, let's see what the Tribune's up to. I open it up. Oh, great news. Donald Trump is working things out. with The Tribune editorial writers might be the only people in America who still believe Donald Trump is legit. He says he cares about Chicago. It must be true. He said it. Why would Donald Trump lie? So with the exception of the writers, uh, the Tribune editorial board, everybody else knows that this is Donald Trump's desperate attempt to win re-election. Send in the troops does two things. One, it fires up his base who hate, hate, hate Chicago. Not quite sure why they hate hate Chicago, probably because, I don't know, there's a lot of black people live here. Barack Obama started his career here. Pick your choice. Take your choice. I hope there is a violent confrontation, Donald Trump is thinking, that scares white people in the suburbs into voting for him. And there you go. The big three, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Folks, that's what it's all about. He is hoping to scare white people into voting for him. That's what this is all about. 
He has got a funny attitude, our president does, about federal intervention. When it comes to COVID-19, oh, I'm going to leave it up to the states, he says. When it comes to looking tough and all law and order, send in the troops, regardless of what the mayor or the governor have to say. Then send out a tweet showing how tough he is, retaliatory culture. You insult him, he'll come right back at you even harder. Mayor Lightfoot, she seems to be like a work in progress on this one at first. She said, no way, we don't want to stay out. Nobody invited you. And now I notice a subtle change of tune from stay out to mm, we'll work with you. And I guess I can understand this. I really can. I understand the political realities that she's dealing with. She doesn't want to look as though she's snubbing the president who's trying to help. She is (laughs) believing the president when he says he wants to help. And I have heavy air quotes could see him if we had a camera you could see the air quotes air quotes around the word help mayor Lori lightfoot is smart enough to know the game that donald trump is playing but she's playing one too donald trump pretends he cares about chicago and she's pretending she believes him when he says he cares about chicago the funniest part about all this is that she reassures us that she won't put up with any shenanigans and she says she had a meeting with u.s attorney john lausch and let him know She won't put up with any shenanigans from Trump. She says that Attorney Lausch assured her it would not be like Portland. There would not be militia just roaming the streets, randomly throwing people into custody, arresting them for no reason at all. Just no apparent reason. I had a laugh at that one when I read that. Like Attorney Lausch can control Donald Trump. Let me remind Mayor Lightfoot of what happened to the last U.S. attorney who defied Trump. He got fired. That would be Gerald Berman, the prosecutor in New York City who dared to go after Trump's taxes. So, Madam Mayor, I wouldn't put too much faith in what Attorney Lausch tells you. No, 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 I'm sure he's an honorable guy. I don't know the man, never met him. But when it comes to Donald Trump and U.S. attorneys, he's the law and they follow his orders. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yeah. He's, he's anticipating. He's anticipating. We got a great show. Oh, Monroe. you're damn right I'm anticipating. I'm, I'm going to grab this bottle here. Yeah. <laughs> Monroe Anderson, the predatory Gary Nieder, will be here. Let's see if Monroe believes the Chicago. Oh, they're all working together in harmony. Finally. Yeah, I bet you he know? doesn't. I bet he doesn't either. I, I'm not even sure the Tribune believes it when they write it. Oh, we got to write something. Oh, let's write. No, oh, they're working together. Good. Oh, it's so wonderful that they're working together. Anyway, Monroe Anderson will be here uh, in about an hour. But before we get to Monroe and all this talk about Trump, 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 and Trump, the young man from Alton, the man that they call Dr. D with the news. Hey, guys, what's up? Yes quarantined edition of the show day two ben uh we gotta know uh now frequent ben jarofsky show devotees know about that porta potty in the uh alley there so please give us a porta potty update what are we seeing out there in the porta potty ben hold on one second hold on i'm looking okay okay 
I don't know why looking involves knocking on a <laughs> desk three times, but what do we know? What do we know? Knock three times on the ceiling if you own me. Uh, no action. D, no. Oh, wait, hold on. I'll do it like it's uh, news. Uh, Bendrowski live from the alley. Uh, thank you, Dennis. Uh, everything is calm and peaceful. Yesterday, there was a little action at the porta body. Two, count them, two people were seen going in there. Uh, today, nothing, Dave. Very calm, very peaceful. Uh, police officers have told me they've controlled the scene. Everything's good at the porta body. All Back right. Sounds disgusting. All right. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this <laughs> afternoon. And no, we're not going to talk about Mike Madigan the entire segment. That was yesterday. Oh, come on, please. Today we're going to talk about it for only a part of the segment. Okay, all right, okay. Compromise. <laughs> you know, more on Madigan Gate in moments, but first, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Best concert? He had Steve Miller Band and the Eagles. Oh, damn, he uh, loves the Eagles. <laughs> Hotel California. Uh, do you think that J.B. Pritzker, when he's alone, no one's around, does air guitar to Hotel California, D? Well, uh, he does. And I bet he also makes the same noise as you do. <laughs> Shout out to Donald on uh, the Twitter page. He reached out to us and says, uh, huh, I wonder if J.B. knows that it's Don Henley's 73rd birthday today. Whoa. I, I didn't know that. Thank you for. You know what? I would say, D, at this point, I would say, D, put on an uh, eagle song. Peaceful, easy feeling. But you know what? I don't want to get sued. <laughs> How come we're the only podcast in America that can't play anything? You know, ever notice that? Like, do you think Joe Rogan's worried about the Eagles suing him if he puts on Hotel California? He yes, yes. I've seen him actually uh, worry about oh, really? that. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> I've seen him worry about that. And Donald, of, of course, J.B. Pritzker knows it's Don Henley's birthday. Best concert? He had Steve Miller Band and the Eagles. He loves the Eagles. <laughs> Happy birthday, Don Henley. Big, big listener to the show, by the way, D. Big listener. So I've heard. So yeah. I've loves, heard. Loves it. He, he has a, a, a song called Hotel Dennis Fornia. Yeah, that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Guys, Catch him at Second City when it opens back up. Master of improv, our host. All right. Uh, today, the governor gave a press briefing and a huge thank you to our live stream listener and frequent chatter, Jim, or as I call him, Jimbo Jambo. He informed me of the details while I was feverishly preparing for today's program. This went on while I was in that fever mode there. Uh, so I'm going to go over to Capital Facts and just read what the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard, Richmond. Miller, get him on the chain. Uh, I'm just going to read what he wrote here. Uh, so it says here, uh, the governor made a bit uh, of news at his news media briefing today. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Oh, he, he addressed housing, housing in Illinois and those who are affected uh, by uh, not being able to pay for where they live due to the coronavirus. Uh, this is a direct quote from JB. JB said, quote, I love the Eagles and... Uh, I also want to provide an update for our residents who are at risk of losing their housing because of this pandemic. Since March, we've protected millions of Illinoisans by banning residential evictions. Today, I'm extending that moratorium through August 22nd. So there you go. Like we've said before, uh, the only thing standing between you, the renter, and your landlord wanting to kick your ass out of there is big feller J.B. Pritzker, and he's extending that to August 22nd. Ben, your thoughts? Well, I have a question for you. 
What? Do you think folks downstate are going to be uh, you know, a little more open-minded about JB now? I mean, I know there must be some renters downstate who are having trouble paying their bills. You think any of them are going to go, well, I want to thank JB Pritzker for standing up to all the Republicans in the state and providing me with it. Just want to know, Dave, do you think it's going to win over any voters uh, in the southern part of the state well you know it seems like they've uh, completely ignored every other good thing he's done for uh, the state so i'm gonna go ahead and say no i think you're right i think <laughs> i think that's a very astute political observation nothing jb pritzker could do will satisfy people south of chicago apparently they hate him oh yeah and, it's uh, funny while i was uh, downstate people would go man pritzker sucks dude and i'd go okay well why why and they'll have to because man <laughs> He's fat. Like, okay, well, there we go. And, you know, in contrast, people in Chicago love Darren Bailey. Have you ever noticed that, D? How much everybody in Chicago loves DB? Uh, we welcomed him in our town not too long ago. State Representative Darren Bailey, the pride and joy of Clay County, and the public face of the Republican Party in Illinois. Arguably the smartest man in the Republican Party in the state of Illinois right now. Yeah, so I give congratulations. I, I thank J.B. Pritzker for that move. Uh, I think, Dennis, you stand with me on this one. you got to give people a break. It's The, the economy is very precarious. Say First, they're going to open it. Then they're not going to open it. Uh, a lot of people without regular paychecks. I don't think people should lose their housing because of the virus. I think some breaks should be extended. So uh, I thank J.B. Pritzker for that. And on behalf of everybody south of Chicago, I thank him as well. I know deep down inside they love and appreciate what he's doing for them. All right. Before taking questions in this press briefing, well, along with uh, naming every single Eagles album there is, Pritzker... <laughs> But, oh, guys. Best concert? Yeah, Steve Miller Band and the Eagles. Loves those Eagles. Uh, he said this, quote, Before I take questions, I also want to take a moment to address the violence that too many residents are experiencing. You okay there? Yeah, no, I'm fine. <laughs> Drop something on the floor. It's all good. It's all good. I can't see you, so I just got to, you know, look after you here. All right. Uh, he said here, quote, before I take questions, I also want to take a moment to address the violence that too many residents are experiencing in their communities. As governor, I have and will continue to invest in communities that have been neglected for far too long. Earlier today, I also spoke to the head of the Chicago office of the FBI to convey my long-standing position. I welcome legitimate resources from the federal government to reduce violence and help our residents stay safe. That can mean getting illegal guns off the street or investigating criminal enterprises. And I welcome the support for our local and state efforts to reduce crime. But let's be clear, that also means we must invest in our schools, in our physical and mental health services and workforce development programs that build up opportunity where years of disinvestment have hollowed it out. If you want to fix a problem, you start with the roots of the problem. Ben, your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, he's, I agree with him. Obviously, I just got finished saying the same thing about uh, uh, mental health services and counseling, et cetera, and so forth. But uh, the big problem in the city of Chicago is that there's too many damp guns out on the street. Everybody knows that it's been the situation for years and years in, uh, uh, in Chicago. And listen, the notion of J.B. Pritzker or Lori Lightfoot turning to the White House uh, or the Republican Party in Washington for help on this front is ludicrous. I know how we could deal with this. You, you, you take away the immunity that gun manufacturers have from the consequences of what happens when people just get guns and start shooting them. 
you start holding them accountable for the carnage their weaponry causes, and then you'll probably see them taking strong actions uh, to uh, reduce the prol- proliferation of guns. But nope. Republican Party will not go in that direction, and so here we are. We are we are a country that loves our guns. We love our weaponry, uh, and uh, so we settle our disputes by pulling out uh, the heavy uh, the heavy weapons. And so I don't know how we're really going to get to the root uh, of all of the problems in the city of Chicago with the shootings and the murder, etc. As long as guns are so readily available, and again, we've all known that. I, rem- I can remember anti-gun rallies in the city of Chicago from the moment I moved here in the early 80s. Nothing ever changes. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. All right, Pritzker was then asked about the Portland issue in his conversation with DHS. Uh, Pritzker said, quote, the acting secretary of Homeland Security did not return my phone call and said that he would not over the next 48 hours. So that's what's happened in that call yesterday. I have worked tirelessly over the last few days, speaking with not only the mayor, but the attorney general to coordinate activities that we might engage in. If we need to push back on some force of the federal protective services that might arrive, the kinds of issues that are on the ground in Portland. And so we're, you know, we're we're talking about that, uh, working that out. We are hopeful that will not be the case. It says here, we know that the ATF, the FBI, the DEA are coming to and are in Chicago engaged in activities to help our local law enforcement. The state police are engaged in that. Chicago police departments, police departments across the state, in fact, are engaged in that. And that seems uh, like legitimate activity to go after criminal enterprises. And I encourage that we need to get violence and criminal enterprises shut down. Yeah. Well, we talked about this yesterday. Will these new federal agents that are being sent to Chicago, will they be working with law enforcement entities in the state, in the city uh, to crack down on crime and uh, go after people who shoot other people? I doubt it. I really do. I I feel that there's no coordination here at all. Uh, And essentially, what they're probably going to look for protesters to arrest. They're trying to recreate in Chicago what they have got going in Portland, which is just rounding up random protesters. Now, we don't quite have the protest scene in Chicago that they have in Portland. I I think it's been like uh, close to two months straight. Uh, people are protesting downtown Portland. Uh, and I don't think that's the case here in the city of Chicago. But uh, whatever, be that as it may, if if we see federal agents swooping in and starting arresting uh, protesters in the city, then we know uh, that they're up to no good and that all this talk about working with Chicago law enforcement to crack down on violence was just uh, a, a facade. All right. And um, also, too, uh, he covered the issue. And what would a J.B. Pritzker press briefing be without some kind of talk of COVID-19 and quarantining? Uh, He addressed that as well. This is on imposing a quarantine on visits from people in surrounding states. Pritzker said, quote, by the way, I'm going to Capital Facts and reading this. All right. I'm skimming through some of it. If you want to get all the details, go to CapitalFacts.com. F-A-X, like a fax machine, not F-A-C-T-S. F-A-X. All right. All right. So uh, Pritzker said about quarantine 
seen visits uh, from people in surrounding states. Quote, let me begin by doubling down on uh, what you just said, which is every state around us has either double or triple our positivity rate. So this is challenging for us. And we do not live in a country where you close the borders between states. And we're not going to stop people who live in Illinois and work in Wisconsin from doing so. And you can't ask somebody who crosses the border every day to go to work who's following all the mitigations that we've asked, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, all the things we've uh, told them to do. They're not gathering in large groups, but they go to work every day. You can't ask them to quarantine for 14 days at a time. So that's not something that we really can do. We have a lot of border counties in Illinois where people on one side or the other of the border regularly cross because they have family or because they work on the other side of the border. He also said uh, that we're encouraging local officials to shut down things. For example, like we're aware of a party bus company in the Metro East where people get on and go from bar to bar. Well, guess what happened? Somebody on one of those party buses either contracted it along the way or had it when they went on a party bus and spread it to the locations that they went to. So the local officials have to be asking themselves, how do we cut down the spread? One way to do that might be to first of all completely disinfect all the buses second of all make sure you've got social distancing and third possibly shutting down those party buses uh one more thing he covered here uh on bar owners he gave a warning to bar owners saying quote there's no doubt about it we need uh we need to increasing uh well a little weird there. All right. He says, there's no doubt about it. We need to increasing masking, not decrease. And we're never going to get to 100%. But that's our goal anyway. We want everybody to wear a mask. Everybody who's medically able and, and old enough to be able to keep a mask on. But the other thing I'd point out is that you are able, well, well, let's see here, able to open things up. What happens is some bar owners, for example, go beyond the capacity limits that we've allowed. And that is when you really run into trouble because it's already difficult enough in bars. Guess what your, uh, and that's it, Ben, your thoughts. <laughs> well, he's was rambling a little bit there. But, yeah, uh, and I was reading you know, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, look, we all know what's going on. We've talked, we talked about this yesterday. If Illinois is uh, only as safe when it came, comes to COVID in regards to, in relation to the states around it. So we saw this happening about two months ago in Wisconsin, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin uh, uh, struck down the governor's uh, order that bars be closed. They opened up a bars immediately. She Capos wrote about it. All the people in Illinois flocking to Kenosha to go to the bars. Well, that's going to affect the spread of the disease in Illinois. It's just a reality. That Pritzker is absolutely correct. The same thing we talked about this yesterday, Metro East, St. Louis, Missouri's wide, uh, wide, a lot more latitude in Missouri than Illinois regarding mask wearing and uh, social distancing. So it's going to spread from Missouri. You can't, this gets back to that question that somebody asked Pritzker months ago. It was someone from downstate who was saying, why don't you just quarantine Chicago? Like, like, you know, just put this police guard around the city of Chicago and suburban Cook County to keep anybody from coming in uh, or going out of Chicago and infecting the rest of the state as though there weren't the disease wasn't also in Missouri or Kentucky or what have you. So this notion that somehow or other. Uh, that you can have varying forms, vastly varying forms of, of orders regarding 
stay at home, staying at home, wearing masks, social distancing, and not have the disease spreading. You're fooling yourself. Uh, and so ultimately, I think it strikes at the lack of like a federal plan or a national plan. That's been clear from the get go. So I have a lot of sympathy and empathy. I've said it all along for J.B. Pritzker. I think he's struggling with this. Uh, we joke about the difference between downstate and upstate, but it's a real thing. They're uh, people downstate that don't take the virus as seriously as people upstate. I'm trying to say it as nicely as I can, D. Thank you. And thank you. I'm trying to say it as nicely as I can, just straight out. That's a statement of fact. And uh, Dennis was telling me so many stories about when he went down to Alton that uh, verified it, it borne it out, that just the attitude that folks have downstate is just drastically different than they they have up here. And even up here, it's not like we're la-la land. Uh, You know, there's a lot of people rushing to the bars it's as though the virus doesn't exist so obviously i hate to say it but if you want to control the spread you got to do something about the bars and the bar culture because uh that is playing a big role in this clearly and jb pritzker's in the middle of it how do you protect the people of illinois without instigating uh, a counterattack, a counter-rebellion from uh, southern illinois i don't think you can as Dennis pointed out, there's a lot of uh, opposition to J.B. Pritzker throughout the southern part of the state. It's as though the virus doesn't even exist. Pritzker sucks is what the signs say, and they put him on their lawn. Yeah. They're, they're angrier at Pritzker than what? They're at than, than Donald Trump or any Republican. Uh, they support Darren Bailey in lawsuits that try to tie Pritzker's hand. So, yeah, he's in a very tough uh, position. He has been from the get-go. And uh, I, I frankly, D, until we get a vaccination for this thing, I don't see I don't see uh, us escaping this pandemic until we get the vaccine. I just uh, it just doesn't seem like this country is capable of coming together and having the discipline uh, and the patience uh, to be, act responsibly. So there you are, our daily update there on Governor J.B. Pritzker. Best concert? Yeah, Steve Miller Band and the Eagles. Yeah, we know, dude. <laughs> you like the Eagles. All right, now, oh, there's the brown line. Yeah, man. We take a hit every time uh, you hear the brown line. All right, Uh, Madigan Gate, let's go. All right, we have uh, two things that we want to talk about on Madigan Gate. Ben, for those who may be, uh, I don't know, who are, I don't know, maybe living under a rock for the last <laughs> few days, just explain briefly what Madigan Gate is. All right, really, uh, really briefly, Michael Madigan, Michael Joseph Madigan, the House Speaker, uh, the most powerful Democrat, or used to be the most powerful. I say Pritzker is more powerful than him. And you can argue that Lori Life has got more power than him. Anyway, uh, he's the chairman of the Democratic Party, and he's been around forever, uh, machine Democrat from the southwest side and yes last friday we've been talking about it ever since uh, commonwealth edison pled guilty uh, and agreed to pay a 200 million dollar fine for essentially bribing madigan or attempting to bribe him uh, by uh, putting his cronies on the payroll giving contracts to his buddies and friends uh, that's what uh, commonwealth edison uh, has uh, said the attorney u.s attorney Lausch, i just referred to him a little while ago uh, was the one who made the announcement about uh, the deal that he cut with Commonwealth Edison, where they agreed uh, that they had attempted to, they they owned up to putting these uh, folks on the payroll and agreed to pay a $200 million fine. Madigan says he did nothing wrong. 
ultimately he will be vindicated. Uh, and uh, it doesn't seem as though the Democrats are in any hurry, D. We'll probably get into this. Any hurry uh, <laughs> to dump him. Not in any hurry at all to dump him as our House Speaker. No, or party chair. Uh, so that's Madigan Gate. Right yes. There. That's just, by the way. That's just one aspect of Madigan Gate. There's also his property tax business, which I guess is property tax gate. There's a lot of Madigan Gate uh, out there. Michael Joseph Madigan, Speaker of the House. Yeah, we're learning that uh, these Democrats know where their bread is buttered, so to speak, in the last few days here. All right. So uh, more Madigan Gate here. Uh, We're going to read a piece from the Chicago Sun-Times' Mark Brown. He recently wrote wrote, uh, a great piece here. Uh, Yes, guys, when he's not going up and down Cricket Hill 15 (laughs) times. Rumor has it he made it to 20. He's putting some of the best damn editorial work out there at the city of Chicago. So we're going to read this Mark Brown piece. Mark Brown writes, Just before 7 a.m. Friday, only a few hours before federal authorities took the wraps off their big investigation of Commonwealth Edison and House Speaker Mike Madigan, the doorbell rang. Ben, what's that sound like? Ding dong! (laughs) Ding dong! Hello! Ding dong! (laughs) Wait, did they knock at the door? Hold up. That's the knock, and here, ding dong. All right. <laughs> For those listeners wondering what a, what a knock and a doorbell sounds like, Ben's got your back. Uh, so, right. so once again, here, just before seven a.m., only a few hours before federal authorities took the wraps off their big investigation of Commonwealth Edison and House Speaker Mike Madigan, the doorbell rang at the McKinley Park home of State Rep. Teresa Ma. Now, Ben, help us out here. Uh, what would Teresa Ma have to do with the investigation into Michael Madigan, Commonwealth Edison, and Madigan Gate? Well, I would not know, actually, if you had not told me about this column, and I dutifully read the column, and folks would go, what, Ben? It took Dennis telling you about a Mark Brown column for you to read it? Don't you just read it automatically? Yes, I do. Excellent question. Just want to point out that it wasn't in my beloved bright one. Home delivered, okay? Can you show those listeners that newspaper, actually? Gee, here's breaking news. I don't know if you knew this, but there's a delay. Okay, so if you get the newspaper, (laughs) sometimes the news is old, whereas they update the Internet all the time. And so Dennis, of course, a millennial, go, Ben, did you read Mark Brown's column? I go, no, (laughs) Dennis, no, what you don't understand is that it wasn't in the newspaper. Okay, no, no, no. And then he he led me to it. And so I wouldn't have known if he hadn't done that. But um, anyway, I know all about it now. Uh, We talked about this scam and scandal it was about six months ago. We were obsessively talking. About, I think Danny Mahopoulos was in the studio from BEZ. Uh, he shares my obs- <laughs> my obsession with uh, uh, this is uh, Chinatown property deals. Alderman Danny Solis, former Alderman Danny Solis, uh, Alderman Ed Burke, Michael Madigan. Everybody's involved in this uh, scam one way or another. So uh, I would not have known D what Teresa Ma had to do with this. Uh, if you hadn't alerted me to Mark Brown's column and the, the the connection she has is that her district includes Chinatown. And so as a result, they were asking her what she knew about this deal that went down. And let me just make this clear. OK. Teresa Ma was not even the state rep when this uh, deal went down. 
when this when Dennis is going to give you some of the details. She got elected, I think, in 2016. I want to say I'm doing this off the top of my head. So this is long before she came on the scene. I don't know why the FBI was knocking on her door or excuse me, ringing the doorbell at 7 a.m. You know, I don't know why they were trying to intimidate her. She did nothing wrong. She's not even vaguely connected to this 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 scandal. So why they couldn't just ask her to come on in, you know, show a little respect, but no, ding dong, you know, right? I want, I'm hoping the FBI one day goes up to the White House, ding dong, and asks uh, Donald Trump to answer a few questions. How about that? You got to go through like 20 layers of lawyers before you get to Donald Trump. But uh, no, they're, they're tough when it comes to Teresa Ma. By the way, you're welcome for reminding you of the internet. Uh <laughs> He'll always go, D, I'm always the last one to know, man. I'm always the last one to know. And then he'll go, man, I only read the newspaper. He's yet to connect those two. One day we'll get there, guys. One day we will get there. All right. Uh, now I, I would, may be on to something there. <laughs> now, I would like to read the beginning of Mark Brown's column because uh, it is very well written, and I think it would make for some potentially decent podcast content. Fingers crossed. So here we go. Mark Brown writes, Teresa Ma was awake, but still in bed. Her husband was up and just starting to make coffee. She assumed it was a delivery driver and shouted to her husband to get the door. But he was already on the way to answer the intercom. Who is it? He asked. (laughs) FBI, came the answer. They asked to speak to Teresa Ma. That will make you wake up in a hurry. He says, I got this story directly from Teresa Ma, a Democrat completing her second term in the Illinois House. She told it in the way that only a person with a clear conscience can tell it. So I thought that was very interesting. Very, uh, very well written, Mark Brown. No, let's give Mark a shout out. Uh, it is a well written opening. Uh, and uh, yay. I'll tell you what. Once again, Mark Brown scoops me. I'm getting a little irritated with this, okay? How come Teresa Ma didn't come to me with that story? We can put her on the air, right? Well, I heard you tried emailing you, but you didn't answer. (laughs) She can write a letter, okay? The U.S. mail works. Anyway, good job, Mark Brown. All right, I don't, I don't believe you went up Cricket Hill fifteen times, but yeah, heck of a writer, and he did a good job on this story. Uh, great opening Sh- uh, uh, that Cricket Hill thing. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Find him on Cricket you. Hill. It's Mark Brown. All right. Uh, oh, uh, shout out to Stephen on the live stream chat. What is happening, good sir? Uh, he asks a great question. You just brought up uh, Alderman Ed Burke. Uh, yes. Stephen asks, where in the world is former Alderman Danny Solis? Ah, that is a great question. Uh, Danny Solis, I always joke, is in witness protection. Uh, I don't know where you're going to go with this, D. Let me just back up. Uh, This is a very compelling story for Chicago uh, corruption geeks, uh, which I am one. Mark Brown is another one. Uh, Tim Novak at the Sun-Times is the third one. Danny Mayalopoulos. There's there's a group of us who are really into uh, obsessed with Chicago corruption, political corruption. So Danny Solis, as Stephen was pointing out, is the former alderman of the 25th Ward. uh, And uh, he got... This was the meeting. All right. So what, what the FBI was asking Teresa Ma about, D, I think I'm getting ahead of your story here. Maybe I should. No, that's you, it. Go ahead, bro. It, I was going to move on to something else. All right. So what they were asking Teresa Ma about is what, what she knew, if anything, about a meeting that took place in 2014. Uh, I think it was in Michael Madigan's office. I want to say I'm doing this off the top of my head. But uh, there was a Danny Solis who brokered this. Uh, he had brought a developer who wanted to uh, develop uh, a, a, a 
a, a plot of land in Chinatown. He brought him to Michael Madigan. And the idea was that if that developer hired Michael Madigan to be his property tax lawyer, I don't know, it could help. Uh, it could help get the deal approved, if you know what I'm saying. You know, that's how Chicago works. We were talking about this with Commonwealth Edison a little while ago. Uh, unbeknownst to Danny Solis, I believe there was, there was a, somebody else in that meeting was wired. Uh, and then one thing led to another, and Danny Solis began to wear a wire for the feds because uh, he, they had him, you know, they had, they were squeezing him with a threat of prosecution. So as a result, he wore a wire, uh, obviously to look for a uh, certain amount of leniency from the feds. And so he collected, I don't know how many hours of recordings of uh, his dealings with Ed Burke, the all powerful uh, former chairman of the finance committee, as uh, Ed Burke tried to squeeze very de various developers who were looking for TIF funds uh, to hire his business. He has a property tax appeal business too. Guys, I talk about all the time, the solutions to our problems. We talked about the solutions to violence. Nothing's changed in that front since the 70s, since the 80s, but we, we don't want to do anything in that on that front. How about dealing with, I don't know, the conflict of in interest, the inherent conflict of interest when all powerful aldermen and House speakers get to run property tax appeal. You think we might want to deal with that one day anytime? Nope, nope. <laughs> Can't deal with the problem. Uh, let's just have these, you know, every now and then uh, have an investigation and a scandal. It gives us something to write about and talk about. But I uh, wouldn't want to deal with the problem. Uh, so anyway, so uh, yeah, Danny Solis uh, collected all the, uh, those recordings on Ed Burke. And as Stephen was pointing out, when word broke that he had been uh, collecting these, been, when uh, word broke that he'd been wearing a wire, and all the other aldermen in the city council were outraged. Here they go. Classic Chicago. This is so Chicago. They weren't outraged that Ed Burke was using his power as finance chair to squeeze TIF recipients into hiring his law firm. No, they were outraged that Denny Solis was wearing a wire. Why that rat? <laughs> Everybody's got like this mobster mentality, just like Donald Trump. So prevalent. We wonder, oh, why do we have a retaliation problem in the city of Chicago? Why do we have people in the city of Chicago acting like mobsters and gangsters? I don't know. Maybe it's because everybody in Chicago acts like a mobster and a gangster, including our elected officials. Oh, that little rat was wearing a wire. How dare he? All the aldermen were madder at Danny Solis than they were at Ed Burke. And it's your city, Chicago, by the way, D. I'm saying it over and over again to show, to prove that I can say city of Chicago, not like yesterday. There we go. There we go. Huh? You, let me tell you something about Radio D. Okay, I'm going to tell you Please something Please right tell now, me. Okay? You're a rookie, okay? I'm going to tell you a little something. It's like a horse. You fall off that horse, you got to get back on that horse, huh? Get on that horse, all right? Yeah, for those Repeat who missed after it. me. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> we live in the city of Chicago. The city of Chicago. Say that 10 times. Well, I the don't need to. City. You do. <laughs> For those listening uh, and may missed yesterday's show, Ben said shitty of Chicago like five times. Okay, wait a minute. That's an exaggeration. I only said it three times. <laughs> All right. So ever and since then, I've been practicing. I, I go up to my wife. She goes, how was your day? I was fine. Did you know that we live in the city of Chicago? No, no, I 
I guess I knew that, but why are you saying that? But, you know, based on that Danny Salisa piece you just did there and Madigan and all this other shitty Chicago kind of sounds good. So let me go back to what Steven said. I forgot. So, yes, from the moment that Danny Salisa uh, well, he didn't reveal it from the moment that it was revealed that he was wearing the wire. He's disappeared. I joke. He's gone into witness protection. He stopped going to, to city council meetings. Uh, he was not running for reelection. Remember, remember this one? Oh, Steven, I know you'll remember this one. Oh, it's bringing back memories. D it's flooding me with memories out of town listeners. This is what you miss when you don't follow Chicago politics obsessively. Uh, before the word broke, that he was wearing a wire and secretly recording Ed Burke because the feds were squeezing him, all right, for his own malfeasance. Before the word broke, Danny Solis announced that he decided after many years in the city council, representing the good people of the 25th Ward, that would be Chinatown and Pilsen, much of the same area that Teresa Ma represents, that he had decided he was going to step down so he could spend more time with his family. Remember that, day? I think he wanted... I'm mixing him up with Cullerton. One of them wanted to spend more time with the grandkids. Oh, that was Cullerton, and you believed him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why not? But didn't Solis want to spend more time with his grandkids? I just want to spend more time with my family. I've given so much to the people of Pilsen. I just have to spend more time with my family. It's time I think about myself and my family as opposed to the people. This is what he said. And Mayor Rahm. The man you elected as your mayor, Chicago, twice, not once, but twice. He was like, oh, I really, I really want to thank Danny Solis for his outstanding contributions to the city of Chicago and the 25th Ward. And really hope that you enjoy the time with your family. Then, of course, when the story broke that uh, Danny Solis did not step down to spend more time with his family, but he probably stepped down because I don't know. He was facing some kind of federal indictment and was wearing a wire. You couldn't hear a peep out of Rom. Uh, Mr. Mayor, what about Danny Solis? Uh, I have no comment. I'm really busy. Uh. I just imagine so someone I imagine someone driving to Illinois right now about to move with all their stuff in the truck listening to the show going, okay, maybe we should just turn around. Maybe we should just no. find another place to live here. We have two problems in the city of Chicago. Nice. Big problems that we never address. One, our retaliation culture. If someone punches you, you got to punch them back twice. Can't just walk away. And the other problem is everybody's a wheeler and a dealer, cutting deals, one step ahead of the man, so smart they're stupid. And that is two big problems in the city of Chicago. I'm proud of you, buddy. All right. Shout out to Jay Marie. Shout out to Jay Marie on the live stream chat. She says, I saw Danny, uh, Danny Salisa working at Sabaro's at the DeKalb Oasis. Okay. No, you probably did, though. No, somebody saw him. Uh, I think there was a picture of him at a social security office. Uh, this is I have this memory uh, and I don't know where I saw that picture. Well, I know it wasn't the Internet. <laughs> it was my beloved bright one. Home delivered every day. D. You get all the news you need in the Sun Times home. All right, you may get it a little late, but you're going to get it. <laughs> all right. So what's you know, I would have read Mark Brown's column tomorrow and I would have said, gee, did you see this great po- column by Mark Brown? And then you would have said, what? He finally acknowledged that he never went up Cricket Hill 15 times? No, not <laughs> that. Therese Ma. <laughs> All right, Mark, we're on to you on that Cricket Hill thing. 
Have you guys ever wondered why Mark Brown hasn't been back on their show? I think it's the Cricket Hill thing. All right. Um, yeah, damn you, boys. All right. Uh, I don't think that sounds like him at all. But anyway, uh, one more Madigan Gate thing here. We got a lot oh, yeah. of curious uh, listeners, apparently, Ben. We got a question on our Facebook page involving what we're now calling Madigan Gate, and I must throw it to you. Right now, on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, a simple question. Mike Madigan, guilty or not? Feel free to weigh in. Head over there on the Facebook page at Benny J Show. Give us your answer, and we will more than likely read them on the program. Our Facebook friend Sharon gave us her response. Now, she didn't give us a guilty or not guilty answer, but she did say this. And maybe this is a good question. Maybe it isn't. We won't know until we ask you, Ben. Uh, she says here... Can we go straight to where's Lisa? Lisa being Lisa Madigan, the adopted daughter of Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan, who surprisingly retired as attorney general in 2018. Ben, we really haven't heard much from Lisa Madigan in about two years. I looked it up. She's a law professor these days. But Ben, when it comes to all this damn dirty corruption, where's Lisa? Yeah, um, she's teaching law. Presumably, she's teaching ethics. Don't do what my father does. By the way, where does she? I didn't know she was a law professor. I think uh, University of Chicago, I believe. Okay, whoa. Well, Lisa Madigan's pretty smart. Uh, I, I know I talked about this a lot yesterday, but my beloved Democrats, when it comes to Madigan Gate, you guys. I'm quite <laughs> the Democrats when it comes to Madigan D are something else. Oh, hilarious. They're like, they're really scared. Uh, their primary concern is that uh, they don't want to say anything that will offend Michael Madigan because maybe he'll still be around in a year. Right. On the other hand, it's pretty unseemly for Commonwealth Edison to be admitting that they hired Madigan's cronies, put him on the payroll, gave him contracts uh, with the notion that he would favorably respond to their legislation, their appeals for rate hikes. So, you know, it's kind of like an interesting balancing act. Yeah. So they're trying they're really trying hard to act like they're really concerned. And they'll say things like, well, it's very disturbing news uh, coming out of the attorney's office. And of course, there's a presumption of innocence in our country. Uh, that is what makes our country uh, <clears throat> such a great country. But I'm going to assure you this right now, Dr. D, I'm telling you right now, if this uh, wrongdoing should turn out to be true, <laughs> then I am going to ask Michael Joseph Madigan to step down. I'm like, Oh, whoa. Can we rewrite Profiles of Courage and add new chapters for the Democrats in Illinois and Chicago? Guys, if the allegations of wrongdoing turn out to be true, guess what? He's probably going to jail. He's not going to be speaker anymore. Then you can look really brave. (laughs) Although, I don't know, there may still be some Democratic legislators uh, in the state of Illinois, D. If Madigan were to go to federal prison, uh, you know, I still believe uh, one is innocent until all the appeals are exhausted. So I am still supporting (laughs) Michael Madigan as House Speaker, uh, even though he's in Leavenworth right now. But (laughs) profiles, and I mean, and the Republicans, don't get me started on the Republicans. They're so happy that the feds are going after Madigan because that gives them something to talk about other than the fact that the feds are going after their guy, Mr. MAGA, Donald Trump. 
So I believe the Republicans are all outraged by corruption and Michael Joseph Madigan and the Democrats when I see them stand up to corruption uh, regarding Donald Trump. I actually think the Democrats show more courage in addressing Michael Madigan's corruption issues than Republicans do toward Donald Trump. Republicans won't even acknowledge that Trump did anything wrong. You know, they'll be like, oh, you know, uh, that's fake news, isn't it? Uh, I saw on Fox <laughs> that uh, he didn't do anything. Uh, I love MAGA. Law and order. What was that last I thing he said? Law and order. Oh, law and order. Mask. Uh, Darren Bailey. <laughs> Come on, Republicans. You're even bigger cowards than the Democrats. And Stephen on the live stream chat, dude, I love you. You keep our hosts on his toes here. Uh, Stephen asked, beloved Democrats, what the hell? Shouldn't Ben, as an old school progressive, have love for independence? When exactly did Ben start, quote, loving Democrats? Stephen, I got to tell you, you have not been listening or reading my column. I got, I'm going to repost this whole column I did, Stephen. It was a, not a confession. I've been voting Democrat since the 1970s. Every now and then, have I, vo I voted independent. I voted green at times. I voted for green in 2006 uh, for governor. Uh, I'm going to get the man's name correct. This is a tough name for me to say. Rich Whitney. That's correct. Uh, that's a, yes. Whoa. Thank, thank you, Mueller. I voted for him in 2006. I voted for Tommy Tresser, a Green Party candidate for uh, Cook County president of the board in 2010. That was my way of thanking Tom Tresser for taking such a uh, lead role in fighting the Olympics. Remember, remember the yeah, city of Chicago? Nice. Have the and hey, you can download our interview with Tom Tresser featuring mayonnaise. Go check that out. Uh, oh, yeah. Chicago Sun Times, <laughs> Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Yeah. But more often than not, Stephen, I must confess, I vote Democratic. Yes, I have issues, and I'm seeking psychological help all the time to address them. All right. Uh, moving on here to the news in the city of Chicago. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. Shout out to Roe for that new clip of Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I'm not leaving this attic, D. Okay, I'm not leaving. Someone's gonna. You go out. You leave the attic. You can get the virus. Lori Lightfoot will arrest you. What? What is that even about? Oh, shut up! What is it, she it was talking her talking about? about like 19 to 25 year olds who are like spreading the virus and uh, not realizing it. And they and she said like now a lot of people say I don't know I can't remember what it was but uh, Ro you're awesome thank you so much she sent me that yes, yes from. Um, the woman who brought you the infamous Ben Jarofsky show clip. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Comes her latest hit. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk home. Kick you out. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we're going crazy. This 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 COVID-19 is driving people insane. Kick you out. But is Floyd Lightfoot just going to be like running roadblocks? By the way, she's another one. She's really tough with people in cars with COVID. But you get you ever heard Lori on the subject of Michael Joseph Madigan? Well, I am uh, very disturbed by the allegations uh, that I've read in the newspaper. Did I tell you I am dedicated to uh, law and order in the city of Chicago? 
Man, she's another one. <laughs> hey, uh, Mayor, you want to go for a car ride? I won't just turn the car around. Okay. I'm going to shut it off. Wow. I'm going to kick you out. Huh. And I'm going to make you walk home. Oh, I didn't do anything. <laughs> make you walk home? What? But I don't understand why Why is she... Help me out, Dave. I'm missing something here. I know you can help me. What has walking home got to do with the spread of... All right. I'm, the, go, I'm going online now, and I'm going to pull the clip. Hopefully, you can hear this here. Uh, shout out to right. Ro. Once again, Ro, you are awesome. She sent us this. 30% of the new cases in Chicago have come from those who are 18 to 29. And we're seeing these increases across race and ethnicity and all over the city. And this should be the proof that you need. If you are in the 18 to 29-year-old cohort, you are catching COVID-19. You are getting sick. And you're not only putting yourself at risk, you're putting every single person that you come into contact with at risk as well. Some of you have joked that I'm like the mom uh, who will tear in the car around when you're acting up. No, friends, it's actually worse. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk home. That's who Uh, I am. So that was that. Okay. Okay. Now I get it. I was literally like, I was, it was like she was being like uh, using a metaphor. Okay. That's what it was like a metaphor, D. It's like a a parable. She was, you know, creating the scene where she's the tough mom. All right. And, uh, but she was not literally saying that people, teenagers with COVID, she's going to stop cars. And I get it. She was speaking metaphor. I'll tell you what, she's a poet at heart. Lori Lightfoot. You know, she writes great poems. I don't know if you know that, D, but she writes poems. Oh, yeah. Metaphors. Metaphors. That might have been a that might have been a haiku. Um, <laughs> hey, Mayor, we're looking to get in a carpool going. What do you say? I won't just turn the car around. Whoa. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk. Uh, but I'm wearing a mask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good. Walk home anyway. All I'm right. Repossess the car, and then I'm going to sell the car, and then I'm going to take the money that I get from selling the car, and I'm going to go to the movies. How about that? And you're not going to get to go to the movie. Huh? Did you think of that? No. Okay. Shut up. Sit at home. Oh, believe it or not. Believe it or not, Jay Marie on the live stream chat. Not a fan of uh, that uh, performance there from Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Jay Marie, not a big fan of Lori Lightfoot. We've learned that. Uh. <laughs> you always have a home here on the Ben Jarofsky Show, Jay Marie. All right, uh, coming up a little later, I have a little more uh, info here, but we're about to 2 o'clock with our interview with Monroe Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you okay? Did you hurt yourself? <laughs> well, you didn't get to my favorite story of the day. Well, it's 158. Uh, well, you know, Monroe's not going anywhere. Uh, no, Ben, we have a schedule we have to keep. And if you don't keep that schedule, I'm going to take that car, kick you out, and make you walk home. Tell you what, Dennis is getting tough. Ever since Dennis has been listening to these Lori Lightfoot clips, he's so hard on me. Ben, put your headphones on. Ben, I want you 10 inches away from that microphone. Hey, listen, butthole. We will shut you down. <laughs> we will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you 
to jail. That's correct. All right. Go okay. ahead, though. Uh, what story is it that you wanted to... Uh, there's a couple stories, but we could get to them later. But I think my favorite uh, story in the, the bright one, and it was in the real newspaper, D. Yeah, the real one that is delivered every day. As opposed to uh, what we read on the Internet. Fake. <laughs> Uh, good point there. All right, here we go. Uh, page 18. I don't know. Uh, I, I thought I sent this to you, but maybe I didn't. Uh, Kanye West files oh, petition okay. in Illinois. <laughs> Kanye West, the birthday party. Okay. Running uh, for president. Uh, I don't know if you saw his. Uh, I don't know if it was a press conference. I don't know what it was, but Kanye clearly is. Dumb None of us issues. know what it is. It's all confusing. <laughs> But I he is clever. I mean, his name of his party is the birthday party, uh, which is pretty clever. But uh, he filed. This is the part of the story that like, he. Oh, wait. Hold on. I got to do it the, if I'm a news camera. He filed 422 traditional paper sheets. So he's filing nominating petitions to be on the ballot. Now, if I'm listen, if I'm Joe Biden, you have to take absolutely every third party candidate serious so they better be looking at these these sheets because if i'm joe biden uh, joe biden's people in illinois and i know steven you're gonna get mad at me for saying this i'm just saying if i were joe biden not that i am joe biden i would look at these uh petition seats anyway uh west filed 412 traditional paper sheets with original signatures according to a spokesman for the illinois state board of education since west filed as an independent is required to turn in at least 2500 signatures all right a review of the petition shows some page have one or two signatures and signers come from counties around the state like downstate effingham and lee county which is west of chicago a lot of, not a lot of support for kanye west candidacy in the city of chicago d the city of chicago i'm one proud or, producer or the county of cook that's because that's where the democrats live and they don't want donald trump to win but downstate, it's a little different. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll support Kanye West. You know, get him on in the hopes that uh, Democrats will vote for Kanye uh, over uh, Joe Biden. But I don't know. I When you turn in petitions where there's only like one or two signatures on a page, uh, a little iffy if he's going to get that 2500 for the birthday party. Yeah, and you said uh, if you were Joe Biden, dude, if you were Joe Biden, you would be screwed on trying to do this quarantine edition of the Ben Jarofsky show. You wouldn't be able to figure out that USB microphone. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. But, <laughs> uh, Joey B, looking better and better every time. Joey B, uh, well, make sure kids hear words. By the way, Will the Chicago Tribune editorial board endorse Kanye West? Remember, they endorsed Gary Johnson last time, D. I'm sure they're very intrigued with him. He makes a lot of sense. We may go for him. Anything to avoid uh, endorsing a Democrat, Chicago Tribune editorial board. They may go for Kanye West. God bless them, D. Oh, my God. If Chicago Tribune goes for Kanye West, we're well, all just our all of our brains will collectively explode at the same time. I would say that Kanye West is as legitimate a candidate for president as Gary Johnson, and they went for Gary Johnson last time. So at least Kanye West is for the legalization of marijuana. All right, Gary. I don't think was Gary Johnson. I mean, he's a libertarian, but I, I can't remember if he was uh, for the legalization of marijuana. Oh yeah, he talked about it all the time. And the Kanye West, the million dollars for every baby born. Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, and, he, and he'll, he'll send it in a birthday card. Very, <laughs> very clever campaign he's got there. You know, around the water cooler at the Tribune, they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think we're going to go for him. I love birthday cards. Uh, yeah, we're the Tribune. All right. Don't look forward to that John Cass interview on the Ben Jarofsky show anytime soon. Uh, ben, you, boy named Sue. You just, oh, that's John Cass. I thought it said Johnny Cash. Oh, boy. You see, you, you get it mixed up, too. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here. You just mentioned the editorial board. So let's hear from Michael Girardi and the editorial board. After this song, our dear friend, Chicago legendary journalist Monroe Anderson will be joining us. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky show. going we're back michael girardi 
Awesome song as always, editorial board. We have a new uh, Michael Girardi song that we're going to be playing this week. I got to download it. So it's not on his uh, on the Bandcamp website. Once I download that, we're going to play it. Hey, Ben, are you there? I am here. All right, buddy. It's time for Ben Jaromsky's favorite part of the program, where we call our guests live on the phone. Oh, I love this part. You know, I kind of missed this part last week, D, because oh, you Oh, because Brian's gone. a professional. <laughs> no, I did not say that. Okay? Uh, I did not say that. I didn't even think that. You're putting words into my mouth. You're like the fake news. Fake news, okay? Uh, but no, uh, Brian decided we were going to do all recording, no live stream uh, last week. You know, it was his first time at the board. And so he just wanted to make sure, you know, it's that easy doing what you do. How about that? How about I turn it around into Whoa, a compliment? There we go. Okay? It's not easy doing what you do. That's just how the Ben Jarofsky show rolls. You know, I would assume Brian's like, what the hell? You guys called a guest live on the show? Who does yeah, that? What we do? All right. <laughs> Nobody does that in a million. Anyway, so uh, we didn't do that. So like what we do, I would record my opening bit and then I go, well, we're right back with Monroe Anderson. We take a break, call Monroe and then the smooth sailing. And people are like, what a smooth operation this is. Is this, is this ABC TV? Is this the George <laughs> Stephanopoulos show? Oh my God. Did I, did I get on WBEZ? WBEZ. WBEZ. Hey, Brian. Go ahead. What? No, the WBZ. Aren't they the ones that edit their interviews? Did someone tell us that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, because like, we had someone on from WBEZ, and uh, we did the interview, and they're like, you're going to edit this, right? And we're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> edit? Are you crazy? <laughs> edit? Oh, What's boy. that mean? There's yeah. only one Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show. All right. Hey, Brian, oh, take notes on this one, pal. Hold on a second. <laughs> Take notes, bud. All right. <laughs> All right. Waiting for Monroe Anderson. Fingers yeah, crossed, yeah. gang. Oh. Hello. Monroe. <laughs> hey, Dennis. What's How up? you doing, man? Do- doing good. How you doing? I'm sorry to hear about your father. My condolences. Oh, thank you very much. That's very nice of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, Monroe, can you hear me okay? Oh, I can hear you fine. Yeah, I hear you fine, too. By the way, I just got to tell this. Uh, so just so you know, Monroe, I don't know if Dennis explained it to you. We're quarantining because Dennis was downstate uh, all last week and nobody wears a mask. So he's really looking out for me. He's really a nice man. Uh, he's worried that the old guy will get it, COVID. So he's at his house. I'm in my attic. You're at your place at, uh, in Chicago. And uh, okay. we're all yeah. you know, so we're, nobody's in the same room, unlike the good old days uh, when we were at the sometimes. Okay, so we all, is this, this going to be live? Or is it we're live right now. Again? You're live right now, my friend. Everybody's listening oh. to you. So don't swear oh, okay. and don't say anything like eating ain't cheating. All right? You're lying. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. Okay. Right. Okay. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. You wouldn't want to do that. And I'll that put on again. my mask. <laughs> uh, 
All right, so much to talk about with Monroe. Uh, we spend hours, we even were not on the air talking about this stuff. And uh, so I'm going to do, I love doing this part of the show. Monroe uh, posts on Facebook, uh, our agenda, and he gives a shout out to Darlene Glanton of the Chicago Tribune. Uh, of course, I was the one who alerted Monroe to that column. Uh, but I, I want to take a moment to give a shout out to Darlene Glanton, too. I was teasing earlier, Monroe, about the Chicago Tribune's editorial board. Uh, and yeah. A really dumb, dumb editorial they wrote. And I'm not blaming you for editorials written by the Chicago Tribune just because you used to work there back in the 70s. Right. But good God. They didn't let me uh, anywhere near the editorial board. Yeah, no, I know you're way too lefty and way too black. Right. To two of those together? Right. Uh-uh. Uh, but uh, anyway, Darlene Glenn did write an excellent column. So I want to give her credit. There's somebody at the Tribune uh, isn't falling for Donald Trump's BS. Here's uh, what Monroe wrote uh, on his Facebook uh, wall today. <clears throat> Is columnist Darlene Glanton right when she says that Trump doesn't care about Chicago, just taking another shot at Obama? Yes, this is me saying. She's absolutely right. Is this yet another political stunt from the white supremacist who knows he's going to lose to Biden in a landslide come November? Yes, that's me. I'm answering your questions, Monroe. Do you think the okay, feds... Good. Do you think the feds can solve Chicago street gang problem? I'll redirect it. Do you think the feds really care about what happens in Chicago? No, they couldn't care less about Chicago. How can they do it? Will they have shootouts on State Street? State Street? It's Wednesday. Time for Ben and me to talk about Trump, 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 and more Trump. Check us out on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Well done, Monroe. Uh, and uh, so that's his Facebook post. I'm sure it's already lit up with uh, MAGA hat wearers who uh, always try to stump Monroe. And and uh, so, yeah, I also want to tell you, I have my own separate list of, <clears throat> from this one. We're going to talk a little John Lewis. Get your thoughts and memories of John Lewis. You had some interesting things to say to me about it. And I also want to talk about this new book by Catherine Belton called Putin's People. Uh, and it has a direct connection to many of the things, Monroe, you've been saying about Deutsche Bank and Donald Trump for a long time. So uh, that's also on our agenda to discuss. Uh, but uh, let's start with the questions uh, you asked about the federal. Uh, troops, the federal agents, whatever they are, being sent by Donald Trump to Chicago. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, I don't know what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I, actually, it's just another uh, bunch of red meat to Trump support. You know, he's the law and order uh, president, except when he's not going to law, they forget about that. Which he does, either either one man crime spree. But let's forget about the laws he breaks. But the laws that um, bother his people, which is basically those minorities not acting like we want them to act, then they're very concerned about that. And so what he's doing is sending agents into cities, all run by Democrats so far, to. Um, put everybody in their place. Portland, um, which is not a predominantly black city, not run by a black mayor, uh, he, 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 he had his cops because they were protesting for black, uh, for black Lives Matter. So he sends them there and they were um, at, they were secret police force. No identification in camo. Um, and um, mask on their faces and just kidnapping people off the street. 
beating the living daylights out of peaceful protesters. It's just, you know, it's incredible. So now they're coming to Chicago. So the question is, what can they do in Chicago? Are there, are, um, the, the, as Darlene said in her column, um, the, the um, gangbangers are going to just lie low knowing that the feds are here. They just, they just, they'll quit, they'll get off the corners and, and just be invisible. And so I don't know what Trump's people uh, are going to do. And they're only going to be here long enough for him to get some uh, campaign footage. You know, he'll, he'll show the violence and the shootings and this and that, and then say he sent the troops in, the feds in, and Chicago is quiet as a church. Nothing happened. And then as soon as they leave, everything that was going on will still be going on. Yeah. <clears throat> well, other than uh, the people who write the tribunes at the editorial uh, board of the Chicago Tribune, I don't believe anyone's falling for it. Uh, it's all part of a greater law and order campaign uh, that Donald Trump is waging. Uh, it's pretty clear to anybody that that's what's going on. I'm going to read you a section of Darlene Glanton's column, get your response to it. Uh, it's, it is an outstanding column. Uh, it, the headline is Trump sending in the feds is Obama payback. And I'll read you this uh, this passage from Darlene Glanton's column. Monroe, get your response. Quote, but Chicagoans do care about what happens here, and we aren't fooled by Trump's fake compassion for the people who live in violent neighborhoods. We, not, we might not be able to stop him from bringing his vindictive campaign against liberal Democrats to our city, but there is one thing he can sure, be sure of when he leaves. Regardless of what Trump does, Chicago always will be the city that produced Obama and proud of it. And what Dolly Glenn is pointing out is that part of the antipathy that Donald Trump has towards Chicago, part of the resentment uh, he has towards Chicago is because this is where Barack Obama launched his political career. And so Barack Obama, politically speaking, is from Chicago. Uh, and Donald Trump has this intense envy for Barack Obama that borders on pathology. And I think that's part of the reason uh, he's constantly targeting uh, Chicago. I agree with uh, Darlene on that one. What's your thoughts? I think I agree with Darlene, too. I think Trump has hands in him. He has what did you say? Trump has hands in him. I got you. Okay. That's what I thought you said. All right, Anderson. D Darlene didn't mention yeah. that in her column. Uh, but but uh, I, I, I bet $10,000 that uh, Obama's hands are bigger than Trump's hands. All right, all right. Let's keep it clean. Next thing you know, you're going to be talking about eating ain't cheating. Now stop it, all right? Uh, <laughs> All right, let's. It's that Monroe Anderson. You can't bring him anywhere. All right, the one that didn't put you on the editorial board at the Tribune. That's correct. Um, so, uh, but he is envious of Barack Obama. Lord knows exactly why. Maybe because Barack Obama is smart and he's not. Maybe because Barack Obama is cool and he's not. Maybe because Barack Obama is genuinely popular in America and Donald Trump is not. You know, maybe and all these because, reasons. And Obama put him down at the press uh, yeah. at the press dinner. 
uh, Trump was in the audience and Obama did this whole skit about he did, he didn't know about um, he, he, he uh, about how Trump had to worry about whether um, one of the comedians, washed up comedians, um, should be fired or somebody else. And Obama said that sort of thing kept him up at both at night, kept him up at night, having to worry about something like that. And it, it so happened that as Trump, as, as Obama was cracking on Trump, the um, Navy SEALs were in the process of killing Osama bin Laden the next day. You remember? You remember that? You, that the, oh the, my God! I yeah, that. Uh, I mean, let's he, just he take a moment. Humiliated Trump during his during yeah. his joke. And Trump, no, I, Trump I remember. has yeah. gotten over that. Yeah. And so he's trying yeah, to I, undo I, anything and everything Obama did. Yeah, no, I remember not, that very well. Uh, yeah, and I and remember this, Monroe at the time laughing at it. Now I'm like, I wish Obama hadn't done it, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Except Obama was getting back at it for his birtherism. Because Trump was the cheerleader, the main cheerleader for Obama wasn't born in America. He was born in Kenya. So, but, but anyway, one of the things that Trump did in, in his doing undoing everything Obama was he dismantled the um, infectious diseases um, unit that would have tracked and, and warned us and um, helped us prepare for COVID-19 right now. So there'd be at least half, at least 60,000 people or so still alive. Had we had that in place, and had Trump followed it, which is another problem, of course. So anyway, so now let's go back to just bringing the feds in. You you've covered you've covered gangs, you've covered police. Um, as as have I. So how do you imagine what 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 do you imagine Trump's feds are going to do to cut down on crime? Chicago. Nothing. Right. They're, they're, exactly. they're absolutely nothing. Uh, right. So, yeah, that's what I think. Right. And they are, and the street gangs are very well um, equipped with, 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 with um, military style guns. But our, our military is better shooters than they are. They have better armor and what have you. So, they won't engage the Fed in any street fight. I don't think they're young kids, so they may some of them, a few of them. But I imagine they won't. And so, what what, what are they going to do? Uh, run around? It's going to be interesting. As in, may you live in Chinese? Interesting. The Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. It'll be interesting, but I can't imagine anything they would, they would or could do that would be of any advantage to anyone. Except Trump, of course, which is the important part. Yeah. Give him a, a campaign issue. He can't issue, he can't campaign anymore 
on on Obama's economic um, structure that made him successful in terms of the economy. And he obviously can't, can't campaign on how well he's done with the um, virus. So he has nothing nothing left. The, the wall, you know, he talks about, he lies about building the wall. Well, he, he can't even lie about Mexico paying for it. But he lies about building the wall, except he's only replaced 200 miles. He has built, he's only built three or four miles of real wall that were, where there was nothing. The rest of it is a replacement wall for the wall that was falling down. And he's bragging about that. However, he, he, has, he omits all the time that the border is 2,000 miles long. So, at best, he's only done 10% of what he said he was going to do. Yeah, I listen, if you try to take Trump seriously, which I I always tell people don't, uh, because as right. you were pointing out, it's it's all a game to him. But uh, right. there's he's got a campaign that's intended to scare white people into voting for him. And the campaign is intended to frighten people with this notion that uh, we need law to prevent from society to falling into chaos. Much of the chaos in the country right now is directly related to uh, the presidency of Donald Trump, but put that to his side. So there's two kinds of disorder that he points out in his commercials. One is the kind where protesters are battling with local police uh, as is the scene in Portland. And that's the kind of disorder, I think, that his troops are intended to deal with. Then there's the issue of violence uh, in cities like Chicago, which Donald Trump loves uh, talking about violence in the city of Chicago. He never does a damn thing, uh, as uh, Darlene Glanton points out in her column, never does a damn thing to actually assist Chicago in any meaningful way uh, in dealing right. with violence. Uh, but he loves to point out that there is violence in Chicago and act as though he has some kind of solution, which, of course, he doesn't. And so I don't believe that uh, these agents he's sending to Chicago will in any way deal with that second uh, element of uh, disorder, if you follow what I'm saying. So, right. uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think he Donald Trump has ever thought about the roots of violence and what causes violence in cities like Chicago. I don't think Donald Trump cares about the violence in the city of Chicago. It's just a game for him. It's uh, something he can use on his commercials to try to scare right. uh, people into voting for him. That's my belief. Right, exactly. Now, you know, he, there was a report uh, maybe a year and a half ago uh, that he was riding around uh, uh, in Chicago on the south side. And he was looking at the south side and said, I, I don't understand how people could live like this. So that's the extent of his understanding. Well, let me let me ask you your thoughts about this. And uh, we had a conversation on this subject last night. So we're sort of repeating our private conversation for everyone to hear. Yeah. Do you think it will work? Yeah. Do you think uh, that suburban voters will see these commercials that Donald Trump is airing about law and order, or we'll, we'll read the Chicago Tribune's editorials about the need uh, for Donald Trump-style law and order, and conclude that they're going to vote for Donald Trump even if they're too embarrassed to admit it? No. 
I don't think it's going to work at all. I think that um, they have much greater concern than whether there's somebody riding on Michigan Avenue or Main Street, wherever they live. And that's they ha- they, w- they have to worry about their children and whether they, they can go back to school physically or if, or if they have to have an online education. They have to worry about um, if they're if they're younger, um, their their parents or grandparents. If they're older, they have to worry about themselves or their spouses um, because of the COVID virus. And then right now, I think there's something to the tune of 40 million unemployed Americans. And um, Congress right now, there's the Senate and the House are fighting over um, whether they whether they should do a third bill helping out uh, another bill helping out the poor people the people that have lost their jobs and who don't know where they're going to get their next meal and and with the republicans thinking well um, we shouldn't spend another trillion dollars on these folks etc and the democrats saying no you got to do this this is the only way people are going to get through it and so they're fighting that and in the meantime, while they're, they're, they're having the legislative fight, um, millions of Americans are handling because they've lost their jobs. Uh, a lot of them have lost their health, health insurance, which is going to be make um, when President Biden goes into office, Obamacare is going to look even more attractive than it did in 2018 for people. In fact, we're going to get we're going to get universal health care after that. Is that your prediction? Yes, that's my prediction. We're going to get universal health care. So, you're, are you finally going to say that Bernie was right? I never said Bernie was wrong. <laughs> I, said, I said Bernie was wrong as a candidate. I never said Bernie Bernie stuff was wrong. Okay. I just, just, <laughs> just want to reopen that old argument. Yeah, right. Exactly. I never said Bernie was wrong. I said Bernie was the wrong candidate. Okay. I, all right. The just, reason, just wanted to reopen the, that the reason, Yeah, right. So the reason Biden is 15 points ahead is because he is the candidate for the moment. Uh, Trump has brought us drama and destruction day in and day out for three and a half years, and America is ready to be bored. They want somebody low-key and, uh, uh, and uh, a return to the no-drama-Obama era. Yeah. By the way, I was thinking about your theory, and you've, you've stipulated this theory, and I'm almost convinced of it, uh, that you're, you're right, right before, that in the I, I'm pretty convinced that you're right. so long. I, I don't know, stubborn, stubborn in my old age. Right. Uh, right. Everybody knows I was a big Bernie supporter. Elizabeth Warren was my number two. And Joe Biden, yeah. I don't even know if he's in the top five. But uh, in the era of COVID, where Joe Biden has a good reason to be hiding out in his basement and he's doing right. the right thing, he's he's uh, actually, I believe he's he's being acting responsibly and setting an example. So I'm not even being facetious when I say this. I do believe he's doing the right yeah. thing. Uh, so you're correct. He's the 
perfect candidate for the moment or he's an ideal candidate for the moment uh, where you don't have to go out. But I was just thinking about this. We make fun of Joe Biden on the show. We have a little fun with him all the time. Uh, And I was thinking about how Joe Biden would handle a Chris Wallace interview. I was watching uh, Chris Wallace interview Donald Trump the other day. I think it was Sunday. I can't recall. I don't know when I watched it, actually. I watched it on the internet. Anyway, uh, and I was like, oh, my God. Chris Wallace is an excellent interview. You could clearly, he really prepares for these interviews. Uh, he has his evidence with him. He marshals, he gets, he, he prepares for an interview a way a, a good courtroom lawyer prepares for a cross-examination. Uh, and he's not right. afraid to uh, confront directly uh, the person he's interviewing with the inconsistencies of their statement. And I was thinking, oh my God, imagine Chris Wallace interviewing Joe Biden. Uh, I'm, what, what conclusion did you come to? I came to the conclusion that if I were Joe Biden's advisors, I'd say, stay away from Chris Wallace. That's the conclusion I came to. No, I, I think I would do much better. Because, you know, first of all, Trump doesn't know what's going on. He believes his lies. And so he's being interviewed, and he's and he's being fact checked by Wallace in the interview, and he's arguing with Wallace over his mismatch. Uh, for example, he, he he Trump argued to Wallace that Biden had called to defund the police, and Biden has never done that. It's not even in Biden's nature to say it. And so Trump had his people um, check while he's been interviewed. They they went through a whole list of stuff that Biden has said, but nowhere in that list that they used as material. But nowhere in that list was there Biden saying defund the police. Because if you recall a couple of weeks ago when you asked me about it, I told you that I wouldn't say defund the police. I'd say reform the police. Because it's a hot-button issue that the, the, the right can make a big deal out of, which is what Trump was trying to do. But Biden is smart enough not to say that. And while we're on Biden, I can hear something mm-hmm. that I'm thinking at this point, is that President Biden could very well the the next FDR that he can radically and, and will radically change America. Not only will we get universal health, uh, but we'll get a, a, a lot of other uh, dramatic reform that this, this country has been begging for since Reagan was president. And he'll be able to do it because he's got to have such a resounding victory over Trump. And um, so many Americans are going to be hungry for change and security that whatever he proposes will fly. And his influences are, in fact, going to be AOC and, and, and the leftists in the party, Bernie, uh, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. 
and it's, it's, it's going to be difficult just trying to correct all the screw-ups that Trump has done. But um, I, I well, can see that. Well, everything you're, uh, you're, you're saying that you're predicting is contingent on Democrats taking the Senate as well. So we, there's, there's a lot that has to happen before Joe Biden can they're get taking a, the Senate. They're taking the Senate. They're taking the Senate. Uh, uh, Biden is in, 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 uh, among the, uh, the, the, the key Senate races, which, which will be enough for um, the Democrats to have the Senate. Biden is leading double digits in most of them, not all of them, but most of them. Mm. And if it's the tsunami, the blue tsunami that I'm expecting, uh, it's going to sweep out others also. Like um, Lindsey Graham, bye-bye. Mitch McConnell, wow. bye-bye. And, and all those states, uh, all the states where the, the virus is is still climbing right now because of Trump's inactivity, it's not doing anything. Um, all those states will go blue. All right. So well, uh, right now, we'll, Florida, Texas, and um, Arizona, because right, those those are the three that where the virus is raging right now. All right, I'm going to uh, shift. I'm, I'm, I want to shift gears a little bit uh, to this uh, new book about Putin and get your yeah. uh, thoughts on it. You've been talking about Putin for as long as uh, we've been having conversations. It's called Putin's right. People, and it's written by a journalist, Catherine Belton. Uh, it's a it's an enormous investigative book, over 600 pages. Uh, I am definitely going to read the final chapter. I don't know if I'm going to read the entire book. Uh, but uh, I'm going to read you a section of a book review and uh, about uh, Catherine Belton's book. And when you hear this, you'll go, oh, my God, it sounds like stuff I've been saying on Ben's show forever. Uh, so I'm just going to read you this section from a book review that I read yesterday in the New York Times about Catherine Belton's book. Here we go. Uh, there are many mercenary motives at play with Putin. Western business interests recognized how much profit could be made off Russian oil behemoths and the giant sum of money sloshing around. Unsurprisingly, Deutsche Bank, an institution at the center of many scandals, has occupied a crucial role. Putin's people ends with a chapter on Donald Trump and what Belton calls, quote, the network of Russian intelligence operatives, tycoons and organized crime associates that has encircled Trump since the early 90s. The fact that Trump was frequently overwhelmed by debt provided an opportunity to those who had the cash he desperately needed. Belton documents how the network used high-end real estate deals to launder money while evading stricter banking regulations after 9-11. She's agnostic on whether Trump was a witting accomplice who was aware of how he's being used. But as one former executive from Trump Organization puts it, quote, Donald doesn't do due diligence. That is the uh, end of the quote. And that talk about how uh, the network used high-end real estate deals to launder money while evading stricter banking regulations sounds like things, Monroe, you've been saying for three years. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, a lot of the 
condo in Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue are owned by Russians. Um, there was a tower in Miami that Trump bought for, uh, I want to say, $35 million. It's been a while since I've, I've zipped some old information in my head. But let's say he bought it for $35 million and um, the Russians bought it back from him a couple of years after he bought it for $50 million. And it was never occupied. Trump didn't live there. Is in Florida. Trump didn't live there. No Russians lived in it. But it was just bought and sold. With Trump making about fifty million dollars off of it. Mm-hmm. There are other examples of that. And uh, I mean, and, you know, and, and Trump is just—he's a crook. I mean, the reason he, he desperately wants to get reelected because it's not. He, he could go to jail. He should go to jail. He'll be the first president to go to prison after being president. Uh, but he seems but he, like he is so corrupt. Uh, yesterday, did you see the story that came out yesterday where uh, he tried to move the, um, the tennis open, I forget what it's called, in, in England? Yeah, he tried to move to to, to uh, not tennis, the golf open. I forget what it's called. And we tried to move it to his golf course in yes. Scotland. Yeah, and he had, a, had a, he had the ambassador, his Doing ambassador, his go and try and make the deal. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, and I mean, if he's that obvious and blatant about that, think of all the stuff that we don't know about yet. He is so corrupt, it's amazing. And he's been corrupt all this life. Yeah. Uh, And yet he's trying to position himself as the law and order president. Uh, Right. Trump, 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 Trump. Imagine if George Wallace had won in 68. He would be like Trump is, except without the profit motive. Because Wallace wasn't a, a businessman. But he would be all doing all the anti-black stuff that and and brown and and immigrant stuff that Trump is doing now. Monroe, I want to close by uh, getting your thoughts about John Lewis. I could do a whole show about the life of John Lewis, uh, the congressman uh, from Atlanta, the civil rights leader, former aide to Martin Luther King. You had some interesting thoughts. Uh, you and John Lewis. Uh, and uh, we are old enough, you and I, to remember John Lewis uh, back in the day and the role he served before he was a congressman, before he became this national icon. Why don't you get your uh, folks uh, some of your thoughts about the, the life and legacy of John Lewis? The thing is, John Lewis was a pioneer. And he, 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 what he did early on in the civil rights movement, he, he, he was, um, he was a freedom rider, getting his head bashed in at lunch counter, trying to get those done. He, 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 he had a fractured skull from trying to cross the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge on Bloody Sunday. Um, he, he was. 
besides King, he was probably the most committed person to nonviolence to get things done. And as, as the head of SNCC, you know, he, he believed in this. In 66, Stokely Carmichael and H. Rap Brown um, got uh, took his leadership away, and they took over. And the first thing Stokely declared was black power and the end of this nonviolent stuff. Now, at, at, during that same time, you had the rise of the Black Panthers, um, who were armed and dangerous. And so the, the nonviolent civil rights movement basically came to a screeching halt. Um, at that time, I was in college. I was a, a, a um, freshman and sophomore in college when, when the transition was happening. And when, when I went to Indiana University in Bloomington in 65 as a freshman, who had grown up in an, um, in, in, in an um, all-black segregated neighborhood, uh, I got down there and I, I felt the responsibility to prove to all the white students there that I was deserving and that I, I was as good as they were and I, I behaved myself. I tried to be friends with them. And by my sophomore year, um, dealing with the racism that was at Indiana University, I was so frustrated that I was ready to punch somebody in the face. And then Stokely Carmichael, who and H. Rap Brown, who just gotten rid of um, of John Lewis, his leadership of the organization, says Black Power, and it's like the weight being lifted off my shoulder. Um, Stokely said that the Philly Dog, which is was a dance back then, was just as valid and culturally important as the ballet. <laughs> A ballet was, mm. and uh, it, it, and it it, it it was the transition to the whole black power, black black identity movement, and it was liberating for me. So John was at at the ripe old age of twenty five, was an antique, but he he went on. He stayed with me because he believed. Diane Day in nonviolence, um, protesting, and demonstrating. And he, he, he lived on to, um, to represent that in the Congress. And so, you know, so he, I mean, you have to respect, and, you know, as I've gotten older and what have you, um, I'm no longer a black militant or black nationalist or anything. And so I have an appreciation for what he did, more of an appreciation now than I did back then. Yeah, I, uh, I sometimes uh, it's easy to overlook uh, the kind of contributions a guy like John Lewis makes when you're in the heat of things. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, uh, I, I love that story you tell because uh, the 
this image in my mind of a very young uh, Monroe Anderson who's at uh, Indiana University uh, at age 18. He looks like he's eight uh, with that baby face uh, being fired up by Stokely Carmichael and viewing uh, John Lewis as too, uh, what, uh, too mainstream. Uh, you know? Too, yeah, yeah, too, 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 um, go along, get along. You know, but by the time, I mean, it's really, you know, I look back on it, it's amazing, but when I was 19, 20, um, I was ready to die for the revolution. That's, that's how frustrated and angry I was. was um, you know, because during that period, King was assassinated. He had all these horrible things going on. Uh, in 68, a, the KKK burned a cross on a black student's lawn in Bloomington, Indiana. But, I mean, it, you know, things were... were you know, you had the anti-war protests going on. You had all these movements going on back in the late '60s, which was exciting too. You had the the free speech movement, the, the free love movement, the women's liberation movement, the anti-war movement, uh, the Black Power movement, of course, and um, people were smoking pot. Mm-hmm. So it was a very exciting time to be in college. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, I'm glad uh, you're still with us uh, and uh, your passion hasn't. Uh, let's put it this way you're taking care of yourself. You're not ready to die for anything. Uh, and I'm really uh, appreciative of that. All right, Monroe. By the way, uh, I'm about ready to cut a deal with uh, your wife, Joyce. She's going to be a guest on the show. Uh, she sent me some yeah. of photographs of uh, part of her uncle's archives. And uh, Joyce Owens, I've talked about her many times. Uh, she's a, a, a fantastic artist. And uh, so I'm going to set up an interview with her. So Joyce Owens, I'm happy to say, is going to make her Ben Jarofsky show debut. We'll have the whole family on. Hey, your son has already been on the show. Or one of your sons yeah, has right. been on the show. Yeah, so right. we're uh, one of them. We're taking care of the Monroe Anderson family. Uh, Monroe, stay safe, stay sound, and I'll be talking to you next Wednesday, all right? Okay, all right, take care. All right, that's the great Monroe Anderson, a legend in Chicago journalism, and I love his thoughts on John Lewis because there's a tendency uh, when when a great national figure like John Lewis passes, you know, just to view him almost not, not as a flesh and blood human being, but as an icon. And when Monroe tells that story about how he was uh, struggling with his identity and trying to figure things out in 1968, uh, John Lewis was not his hero. And then later, of course, he came to really appreciate the life and legacy of John Lewis. A great story from Monroe Anderson. Got any updates for us, Steve, before we head out that door? Uh, real quick here. We had a little bit of a news left over from the beginning of the program. Uh, oh. We're going to talk about police in schools. 
Um, keep them or remove them? We've been wrestling uh, that question for about a month now in the city of Chicago. And right now, thanks to the hardworking folks at Block Club Chicago, we're going to provide an update on what our city schools are saying. Now in June, after Chicago School Board narrowly voted against terminating a $33 million contract with the police last month, Chicago Public Schools asked local school councils to vote on whether to keep or remove police on campuses. The district has given the 70 plus schools with police officers on campuses an August 14th deadline to vote. So far, uh, we've covered this on the show. Northside College Prep was the first and only to definitively vote to remove officers just days after a student demonstration at the school. The council voted eight to zero against the SRO program. And right now, in my bearded face, are the most up-to-date votes from schools on whether or not to keep their police. And what we'll do here is uh, I'll announce the schools who voted as far back as July 15th. Uh, our host, Ben Jarofsky, if he's willing to do so, will remind us all of how big of a Chicago <laughs> nerd he really is. And he will tell us a bit about the school, and then uh, he'll guess right. whether or not the school voted to oh, keep or remove their police. Oh, you up for Are this? You put, yeah, you're putting me on the spot, man. Well, All then right. it's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We call our guests live on the air. We put everyone oh, on the spot. All, All right, right. So All right, once right. again, I'll name the school. Tell us what you know about the school. If you don't know, it's okay, dude. And um, and then you, I will uh, ask you if they decided to remove or keep their police, and you guess, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Once again, shout out to Block Club Chicago for the info. Go subscribe to Block Club Chicago, a great source for not only uh, Chance the Snapper news, also on the ground city news as well. All right. Our first school voted on Monday, July 20th. It's Sarah E. Good STEM Academy. Ben, any knowledge of this school? Like, I don't know who the hell Sarah E. Good is. Okay, uh, let me say this about that. And um, I'm old, as everybody yes. knows. And uh, so I know the old Chicago schools, and Sarah E. Good is one of those new Chicago schools. Uh, so I don't know anything about it except that I happened to see in a newspaper uh, that a student, a recent graduate student, uh, a student who graduated from, I should say, from Sarah Good, uh, Miracle Boyd, uh, was a protester who got hit in the head by a Chicago police officer and, and knocked out her teeth. That's all I know about Sarah Good School. So it's one of those new schools. And when you put STEM at the end, you know, it's like one of these new things in education. I'm an old guy. I don't know. They like science and technology. Wait, we took science back in this. No, no, it's different somehow. It's we're constant. We put STEM on the end. It's like science. We take it more seriously. All right, whatever you say. And you it's all caps. It's all caps. S-T-E-M. Yeah. So it's serious. It must be really serious. But, you know, even I, I took chemistry, all right? Okay, so they only passed me because they pitied me, but still, I took it. They had science back in the 60s and the 70s. Well, no, we're going to have something new called STEM. Have you ever heard of it? So no so idea anyway, who Sarah E. Good is. I, I have, no, I do not know, and um, but I know it's a relatively new school, and um, I'm almost positive that's where uh, Miracle Boyd went, and she is the uh, 18-year-old protester who yep. got hit in the head. That is true. So, yeah. All right. We stumped the host on the first one. Here we go. On July 20th, Sarah E. Good STEM Academy voted unanimously to, Ben, take a guess, keep or get rid of their police. 
All right. Well, let me just say, uh, okay, you're really putting me in the spot here, but I have said, I've had this discussion debate with uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa on this show many times. I believe that uh, the, um, the socialist members of the Chicago City Council, my beloved socialist members uh, of the Chicago City Council are sort of ahead of most people in the city. Chicago, uh, Carlos and I have been having this debate for a long time. Rosanna Rodriguez and I have had this debate. And I believe that most people uh, in the city of Chicago are not supporting the defund the police movement. Monroe Anderson just said it himself. And so I'm going to say that they voted to keep the police uh, in their school. I think that most local school councils would vote to keep the police in their schools, particularly if they're on the south or west sides. And uh, and they're not even given an alternative. It's not like they're being said, if you get rid of the police, we're, we, the Board of Education, is, are going to give you the money that you save in those police salaries to spend on other things. No, they, they're not giving them that choice. So it's not even really a choice. It's either you lose two police officers or you keep two police officers. So that's my long long-winded way of saying, D, I'm going to say they voted to keep them. It was long-winded, and Sarah E. Good <laughs> STEM Academy voted to keep police officers. That's correct. All right. If you ask Ben Jarofsky, that's a Sarah E. bad decision. Am I right, Ben? Well, no, I... Um No, I believe each local school... I've said this from the, the uh, outset. Two things. One... It should be up to the local school whether they keep the police. But more importantly, or just as importantly, the Chicago Board of Education, the public schools, should not be paying for the police. The police department should be paying for the police. And so those monies at $33 million should be used for other things, supplemental uh, programs. So Sarah Good can keep the police, the two police if they want to, and still have money for counselors, therapists, etc. And you have to really train police who are working in schools to have a whole different approach uh, to dealing with uh, students. So, oh, yeah, yeah, you did say that. I just wanted to do that pun there, Sarah Ebad. All right. Our next school is Benito Juarez Community Academy. Ben Jarofsky, tell us what you know about Benito Juarez Community Academy. Uh, Benito Juarez Community Academy is in Pilsen. It's a relatively new school. I believe it was built in the 1980s. In my mind's eye, I'm going there. It's uh, on on Halstead Street, and uh, it's predominantly Hispanic school, Mexican-American school. I remember their basketball coach back in the 90s. Uh, What a character he was. He was a security guard at the school. Uh, He was an African-American guy. And uh, his, his team was really short, and they, they were always getting crushed. And, were, and he would say, I would do anything for a brother. That's what he would tell. Anything for a brother on this team, because he had all these Hispanic guys. Uh, but uh, they were good in soccer, as I recall, Benito Juarez. And uh, so, yeah, Benito Juarez in the 25th Ward. I ah, there's the dork we know and love. <laughs> All right. On July 15th, Benito Juarez Academy voted to Ben keep or remove their police officers. All right. Now this one, I'm going to, uh, okay. So I'm saying, I'm thinking, oh God, I'm going to, this is like a Vegas move. I'm going to say they voted to, uh, get rid of the police. It's a predominantly Hispanic school. So you get into the issues of immigration, et cetera, and so forth. I'm going out on a limb here. I say, uh, I'm going to say, get rid of the police. 
He went out on a limb, and Benito Juarez Community Academy voted 7-1 to one to remove their police. That's correct. Nice job. Wow. <laughs> Pure luck. <laughs> you got a 50-50 chance, D, okay? <laughs> All right, oh, on to the... I'm really, I'm really brilliant. Uh... <laughs> You're on fire yeah. so far, sir. All right, our next school uh, voted on whether or not to keep their police on July 15th. It's Michelle Clark High School. What do we know about MCHS, Mr. Jarofsky? Okay, Michelle. Okay, this is one of those other new schools in, in Chicago. Michelle Clark. Uh, there's got to be old to remember Michelle Clark. Uh, she was a uh, TV reporter, and she died in a plane crash. Michelle Clark, one of the first uh, black TV reporters in the city of Chicago. When I was a kid, I used to see her. On, I think it was on Channel Two News, and uh, they named a high school after her. It's, I don't know. I think it used to be a grammar school, and they turned it into a high school. So it's one of those newer schools. You know what I'm saying, D? So when I was a kid, I wasn't following them, obsessively following them. There was no Michelle Clark High School when I was a kid. That's how I know schools in Chicago, because I'm an obsessive sports fan. I would be following their basketball teams or their football teams. So uh, I don't know much about Michelle Clark other than who Michelle Clark was. But hey, and it's on the west side, and I'm telling you they voted. I'll bet you anything they voted to keep the police because because my my opinion is that most schools uh, in the black community would vote to keep their police. All right. And hey, way to go today. You didn't say shitty of Chicago one time. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Michelle Clark High School voted unanimously to keep their police on July 16th. Yeah, that's correct. All right. Told you, Carlos. Told you. You didn't listen to me. <laughs> Who does? Okay. <laughs> on to the next one here. Uh, we got one more. And thank God, because this... It's getting a little stale. Our last school is Kenwood Academy uh, High School. Now, you know a lot about this one, uh, right, Ben? Karen Lewis. Karen Jenning Lewis. I love you, Karen. Former president of the Chicago Teachers Union, proud graduate of Kenwood High School. Back in 1970-something, I forget. Karen's my age, roughly. Uh, anyway, uh, it's in Kenwood. I can see where it is. It's cr- there used to be a pancake house across the street from me. Mm. I used to love that pancake. Oh, I know. Love the pancake house. Then they moved the pancake house. They put a higher, I don't know. It's, you know, look, they don't ask me for my opinion on development deals in Kenwood. Anyway, uh, I would almost, uh, I'm going to Vegas saying remove police. Uh, I mean, I mean, keep police, keep police uh, at Kenwood. So I've, I, my bet is that they voted to keep the police. All right. You're sounding a little uh, wishy-washy on this one here. So let me no, channel my inner police. Uh, let me channel my inner Regis Philbin here. Ben Tarofsky, is that your final answer? Yes, it is. Keep police, okay. On July 15th, Kenwood Academy High School voted unanimously to keep their police. That's correct. Nice. You did it, got them all right. Give me the ball, okay? Give me the ball. There's no ball, and I'm in my apartment, and you're in your attic, so... That's not possible. But, uh, and, uh, oh, also here we got a quick update uh, on uh, Frederick Douglass here. Uh, I got to pull it up here. Uh, They did vote to change the statue, uh, the name of the statue. Uh, I got to pull it up here on Block Club Chicago. Shout out to Block Club Chicago, by the way. What's that? Wait, you mean the park, the name of the park? Oh, the park. Yes, absolutely. Here we go. Douglas Park will be renamed for Frederick Douglas. Park District Board Yay! says, saying, quote, we have heard you. Still called Douglas way. Park, but yeah. Yeah, but they add another S because Stephen Douglas is one S and Frederick Douglas is two S. And I urge everyone 
to uh, check out the interview I did with Salim Wuakil. Uh, I dropped on Monday, and Salim talks about the legacy of Frederick Douglass. Uh, it, it was a, I don't know if you folks know who Salim Wuakil is. He uh, is a legend, a legend, another legend in Chicago journalism. Uh, is uh, writes for in these times. Used to be a columnist uh, for the Tribune and the Sun Times. Has his own uh, talk show on WVON. Brilliant man, and he he. Just did a great discourse uh, on some of the great historical figures and whether they should be uh, uh, commemorated with statues or parks named for them, etc. So I urge everyone to check out my interview with Celine. Yeah, you can download those at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. We highly suggest you go, oh, what are you doing? Are you ripping paper up? <laughs> what was that noise? I was just, you know, I forgot that you could hear. I was wiping wiping down the table. Okay, we're almost <laughs> done here. You can find Keep those. clean for you, D. Yeah. When you return, you're going to be back here. All right? I'm, I'm you're pumped. You're going to be in that apartment forever. I'm kind of liking it. But uh, you can download those interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Go check those out. Live streamers, you got to download those. So sorry but we highly encourage that. And also, while you're there, uh, subscribe, give us a review, five stars only, whatever you want to do. And uh, that's our program today, everybody. Thank you very much uh, for to everyone for listening. Yes, then uh, special thanks to Monroe Anderson for doing an outstanding job. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois. And as everyone will tell you, including Salim, Monroe, Anderson, and even... The editorial board writers of the Chicago Tribune, even they will tell you that back home in Alton, they call him Dr. Doobie. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. Best concert? Yeah, Steve Miller Band and the Eagles. Let's begin with phase one. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. That's correct. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off, I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home.